Live from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, this is a special edition of Positively West Virginia, the COVID-19 Daily Business Briefing. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. For those of you joining us live on Facebook, thanks and uh, for joining us. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. And for those listening on the podcast recording, thanks for joining us as well. We really appreciate you guys, especially over the last 30 30- days or so. Normally on this podcast, we interview West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with you and thousands of others each week on iTunes, Spotify, and through our statewide distribution network with wvnews.com. However, since March the 19th, we've been bringing you these daily special edition broadcasts. We're focused specifically and intentionally around this basic question. What can West Virginia businesses do right now to navigate this current pandemic storm that we're all facing? When we first started this podcast, Way back in 2017, our goal was to inspire people in West Virginia with examples of real-life entrepreneurs and business owners who've built their companies right here in West Virginia. Quite simply, we want to help West Virginia businesses win. We appreciate the opportunity each week to tell positive, inspirational stories that encourage people to start their businesses in Morgantown or in the Mountain State and keep their uh, companies here and make West Virginia stronger than ever before. And of course, you can learn more about our mission at PositivelyWV.com. Every week we're coming to you live with these special subject matter experts from right here in West Virginia to help business owners and leaders with practical ideas to use to get you through the storm. It's hard to believe, but this is our 30th consecutive special episode. So, Positively West Virginia is brought to you by Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Today, I'm honored to have on the show Karen Herring. Karen Herring is founder and executive di- director of Libera. Libera's vision is a West Virginia where women and teens are empowered to live in freedom, one woman at a time. And since the COVID-19 situation began in West Virginia, Karen and her team have been developing and delivering incredible tools for educators and students to help deal with these issues related to the pandemic. It's an honor to have Karen Herring on as our guest today. Karen, thank you for being on the show. Jim, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on. Absolutely, absolutely. How's your family been doing during the pandemic? (laughs) That's the question I always ask. (laughs) We're all doing great. We're all doing great. We're anxious to get back together in person, and uh, especially my son Dylan. We're uh, we're anxious to get back to him, and uh, he's been really quarantining uh, during this last uh, six weeks or so. How about you guys? How are you doing personally, you and your family? Uh, we're doing well. I miss our Sunday night family dinners, and yeah. but we've been we've got a substitute. We've been doing Zoom at least once a week with everybody, you know, all of our kids and their significant others, and so that's been great. We've even been playing some online games together, which has been kind of fun. Absolutely, isn't that great? Technology is just awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. I love Definitely. it. Definitely, awesome. Very cool. Well, Karen. Take a few seconds. Give us a little be um, a background on Libera, what it yes. is you do, and how you help people. Yeah. So uh, Libera, the first question people probably have is, where did the name come from? And the name comes from the state motto: Montani Semper Liberi. Mountaineers are always free. And so Libera is just the feminine form of the word Liberi, so it means free. And our mission um, is that we listen to women and teens one-on-one and in small group settings 
to help them identify and eliminate the barriers in their lives. So we say we provide the freedom they need for the life that they want. And if I could go over the Libera model really quickly, it might yes, help people understand what do. we do. Please do. Um, and I will say it was uh, founded as a grassroots organization here in West Virginia. So this is totally a West Virginia thing. So mm. the model is an acronym for Libera. And the L stands for listen. Mm. And we say that we listen empathetically and non-judgmentally to women's and girls' stories. Illuminate is shining a light on their stories and helping them figure out what barriers are in their way or even what lies do they believe about themselves. We find that all women and girls believe lies about themselves and those lies hold them back, whether they're conscious lies or subconscious lies. So we help them illuminate. Um, We use some tools that some educators might be familiar with, ACEs quiz, which is adverse childhood experiences, And we also use a thing called a genogram to illuminate their story, help them understand what are the family patterns that I don't want to repeat in my life and what are the good patterns in my family that I want to carry on to the next generation. Hmm. Then B is believe. We help them believe the truth about themselves and their potential rather than believing lies about themselves. So believing their potential. And then E stands for envision, which is envisioning a new future, living from the truth and living from their potential rather than being held back by the lies. R stands for reach and reach is about reaching for resources. And this is a huge part of why we started Libera, because Mm. in my previous work in nonprofit world and as an educator, I have an education degree. I realized that many people, many women and girls would come to me. I've led groups pretty much my whole life Mm. with women and girls, and they would come to me and say, I'm having this problem but they wouldn't know where to turn. They wouldn't know what resources are available or they wouldn't know how to get connected to the resources. So we um, help them reach for resources. So we might connect them to a counselor or anxiety tools. We find most teens struggle with anxiety. We might connect them to another nonprofit like RDVIC Hmm. or Christian Help. We might connect them to physical resources. We don't give out physical resources, but maybe they need furniture or groceries or their electric bill paid. We help them reach those kind of resources. And um, it might also be things like books or CDs. So we help them reach for resources. And the final part of the model is a light. And that is just the idea that once they've become more empowered and more um, about who they really are and living out their potential, they want to bring others along. They want to bring their friends along or their families along. And we, we've seen this happen with girls in schools where we've led groups. We've led hmm. groups in six different counties uh, in different schools, middle schools and high schools. And the girls say, oh, I know this girl that should go through this or I know that girl. Um, and even with families, we've had moms go through the group who want their daughters to do it. And we've had daughters go through the group that want their moms to do it. And we've had, you know, we've had that happen. So that's our basic model and our strategy is we train volunteer listeners. So these listeners go through the Libera group first Hmm. themselves to understand the model. Then they go through a one-day listener training where they learn motivational interviewing. They learn how to listen well. They learn what to do in a crisis. They learn mandatory reporting in case abuse or neglect is reported. Hmm. And then they also have to go through a, a short mental health training, either mental health first aid or suicide prevention, a suicide prevention module so that they feel equipped 
you know, to help someone in crisis. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. that's our strategy is to, it's a scalable model to train hmm. um, listeners, volunteer listeners all around the state. So that gives you a pretty quick overview yes. of what we do. That's a good jumping off point. Karen Herring is founder and executive director of Libera. Karen, you know, obviously you mentioned crisis and we've been in a crisis for the last six weeks or so in West Virginia and in, indeed in the country. And you know, what bring us up to speed a little bit. What's the current situation that you're seeing out there in terms of what people are dealing with in this crisis, whether it's mental health or or it's abuse or uh, domestic violence, those types of things? What are, What's the thing that you're most uh, the current situation that you would like to share with us right now? Yes. Well, as I said, anxiety is a big issue for um, adults and students alike, but I think most students struggle with anxiety Mm. to begin with, and we've seen increased anxiety in the people we work with. Mm -hmm. And um, just in general, you know, if you're on social media, you can tell people are struggling with anxiety. Sure. Um, I'm also a crisis text line counselor, and um, text in calls have gone up tremendously during this time. Mm. So we know people are struggling with mental health issues. Wow. We know domestic violence has gone up, abuse at home. And here's an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Um, child abuse reports have gone down and we might think that's a good thing, but actually we collaborate some with shield task force of West Virginia, mm-hmm. and we've been doing some collaborative projects, which I'll probably talk about in a minute, yeah. but Robert Peters is the founder and he works with zero abuse project. And what that means really is that kids are not with the people who normally report abuse. Usually it's teachers or right. concerned adults. Yeah. Wow. So now they're stuck at home. Hmm possibly with an abusive family member. Mm. Most abusers are people that are in their family or people that they know. Mm. And so we, we felt a real burden to get resources, mental health resources, anxiety tools, and um, help to students who are in abusive situations. Those are kind of the things we've been keying in on because those are tremendous needs. Absolutely. And it's hard to get those resources to them when they're at home. So it's almost like a crisis within a crisis, honestly. I mean, that's, it that's is. what it's in. Yeah. So, so you recently, you're talking about this collaboration with, with Shield Task Force. You created a series of videos and other tools uh, really focusing on wellness and body safety and, and other things. Can you talk about that project specifically? Because this is an out reach of specifically for COVID-19 and the coronavirus situation. It is. So um, I'm really excited about this project and I hope people can share this uh, liberally. But we, we, to give just a little background, Mm -hmm. SHIELD and Libera have been collaborating with um, schools. So we've been going into schools and doing presentations. SHIELD um, are the experts on abuse and doing presentations on abuse and also training school teachers and staff. Mm. So they do the trainings and they do presentations. And then our listeners for Libera go into these presentations and are available to listen to kids at the end who come forward and disclose abuse Mm. and um, also available to then start Libera groups in different schools with kids that need to kind of take their power back, you know, they lose their power if they're in abusive in abusive situation. So, we've already had this collaboration going, and it, this was Robert's brainchild. Robert Peters, the founder of Shield Task mm. Force, and he said, "Well, let's do these videos mm. 
that we could, you know, disperse everywhere to um, school systems, to educators, to parents, to families, to social agencies. And so what what happened is Robert got people together. He got a videographer and we kind of collaborated in the sense that one of our staff members is on the videos. Mm -hmm. And so he had survivors on there. Um, As you said, there's a wellness module that helps kids go through some breathing exercises and anxiety tools. There's body safety Mm. and there's, there are actually stories from um, a survivor. And then there's an online safety module, which is done actually by someone at the national level with zero abuse project. Yeah. And so what, how, how have these, how's this project been received from, you know, educators, students, Uh, you know, obviously this is a statewide project in West Virginia. Is that correct? Yes. And it mm-hmm. has actually gone beyond um, okay. statewide. We've, we've had some Great. conversations with BronxNet in New York about potentially using these videos in mm. their, um, you know, system. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been well received. Um, there's a law called Aaron's Law, sure. and you may or may not be familiar, but yeah. Aaron Marin, um, this law really basically says you need to train students and teach students every year about these issues, body safety, online safety, abuse. Mm. And Aaron Marin actually gave an endorsement for this project. So oh, wow. uh, that's high praise. And Victor Vieth also at uh, Zero Abuse Project. So there's been very good feedback so far on the video content. And we feel like it, it, could, it could save lives or maybe just give kids a calming voice and comfort if they're struggling with anxiety. Yeah. So obviously with our uh, education uh, system shut down uh, for the for the rest of the year and and who knows what it's going to look like in the fall. I think we're all concerned about the safety of kids that are stuck home, uh, potentially in an abusive situation or a crisis or maybe just struggling, you know, not to diminish this, but struggling with a bit of anxiety about all this stuff that's going on. The fact that they're in a different environment. What are some practical things that that uh, that we can be looking out for, um, you know, as as people that are in the in leadership roles around the state of West Virginia and businesses and organizations, what are some things we can be thinking about and looking for uh, with regards to these kids and and uh, maybe being stuck in a, in a bad situation? Yeah, so I think anytime uh, we see kids, if you're talking specifically about what signs can we look for in students or kids, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think when we see them isolating might be a a time when we would start to ask questions and take a little more time to be with them and be present and try to listen. You know, our foundational word for exactly. We feel like we want a listening revolution to happen in West Virginia Mm. because Mm. we feel like there's a lot of teaching and education going on. But we, when we talk to students, they tell us all the time, I don't feel, heard or seen or understood. So taking the time if someone's mm-hmm. isolating, I think also um, something that people may not be aware of, but rage or anger can be a sign that someone's actually struggling with a mental health issue or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then the flip side of that, just a lot of tears or crying or being down. So any of mm-hmm. those things could be a sign that they're struggling with anxiety or mental health issues. I, I believe those are good signs to look for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Karen, one of the things that I think about is, you know, we're hearing, you know, police departments across the country reporting spikes in domestic violence cases. We kind of touched about on that at the intro. 
as, you know, stay-at-home orders, you know, put victims and their abusers kind of in constant proximity, right? We're all in tight quarters. What are some signs that we can be looking for in the workplace, uh, even, you know, as people continue to work at home, as the state's starting to open up now under Governor Justice's, uh, you know, uh, West Virginia strong plan to reopen the state, people are still going to be working from home. What are some signs that we can be looking for uh, for maybe employees, you know, men or women who are, you know, potentially uh, going through a domestic violence issue or some kind of an abusive situation? What are some signs we can be looking for, uh, you know, for out there in the workplace? Right. So I I think, you know, we say we're the bottom rung of the ladder, so I don't want to pretend to be the domestic violence expert, but we do deal with this all the time. Uh, But I would say um, I would, again, look for isolation. Like if someone is becoming more and more isolated, that Mm. could be a sign. Also, if if they can't talk or um, communicate with someone without their significant other present, that could be a sign. You know, if there's a lot of hovering type behavior where they can't do anything independently without the other person there or around or Mm. checking their communication. Those are big signs. Really? Uh, Yeah. So like we're all using zoom calls and, you know, technology, you know, like Skype and things of that nature. So if you happen to see somebody, whether significant others and like kind of lurking in the background, that might be a sign. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the sign, but that's right. Those are the kinds of things we need to be looking out for. Yeah, because that tends to happen. They'll check their text messages. They'll check wow. their phone. They'll hmm. check their emails. You know, nothing is private. So that yeah. would be a, a sign. I hmm. wanted to say, too, one mm-hmm. of the first resources that we came up with is um, on our website. And hmm. it, if you go to liberawv.com, hmm. L-I-B-E-R-A-W-V.com mm-hmm. and slash coronavirus, yep. we have what we call a coronavirus survival kit there. And it has emotional, mental health tools, physical tools, um, financial tools, uh, things for relational needs, but it also, and growth and learning things, but it also has a segment on abuse Hmm. and addiction, um, resources for getting food. But I just thought it would be worth mentioning because if someone is in an abusive situation, there are the hotlines there that they could find to contact someone. Awesome. Sometimes they're not even able to do that, but that's um, at least a resource. Yeah, I, I mean, I can think of um, uh, you know situations that I've heard of where somebody is being abused and are in an abusive situation. And they don't actually have a phone, you know, cause right? It's that control thing, so it's hard for them to even reach out and, uh, through a phone call uh, or a text message sometimes. So, right, we will make sure that we have that link to uh, to your website and that specific page to the uh, coronavirus survival kit. How did you come up with that concept of putting that together? I mean, you, you had to have, you know, kind of launched that with a uh, short notice, maybe. Is that, is that how? Yes. Yeah, so talk us through how, how you adapted to this situation and were able to use what you had and kind of helped, helped your constituents, your, your folks that you help. Well, I think that as we go through the Lee Bear model, you know, it's we've done some Zoom groups with adult women, but we haven't been able to do Zoom Zoom student groups because of privacy issues. Sure. You know, we don't have student contact info. Yep. So when we get to the end of the model, you know, we resource them. And so we are used to giving out all kinds of resources to women and, and students. Mm. So 
um, since we already do that, that kind of just popped into my head. Well, we should just put this down in one place that people could find what they need if they, they you know, if they're unemployed, if they need food, if they uh, need connected to help for abuse, you know, if they need educational things for kids at home to do, uh, if they need anxiety tools. So that's really where it came from because we're, we're resourcing people all the time. So mm. we just took that and expanded upon that concept and made something, you know, we just keep, keep adding things as we find them, but some of it's just fun stuff, but some of it's for mental health or anxiety or, you know, whatever they may need. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing resource. What is your, what's the geographic area that you, you help? I, we, t- we kind of talked about statewide, but what are, are there are certain areas where you focus in on you're based in Morgantown, but where, um, where's, where do your folks come from? Yeah. So our, um, you know, our goal is to really have groups in all 55 counties of West Virginia. That's a long-term goal. Sure. Our buses have been, we have two buses that are like our mobile offices and meeting spaces. And I would love for people to see those sometime because they, they're kind of like a tiny house on wheels. Maybe they're couches and curtains and pillows, but mm-hmm. those buses have been to every county of West Virginia at least twice. And we've distributed resources in every county print materials. But as far as having groups, I believe we've had adult women's groups in 14 counties Hmm. and we've done um, student groups in six different counties. One of those counties was Ohio County, where we actually did a group at a juvenile detention center there uh, with the students there. Um, But the other counties we sort of concentrate on right now because of our geographical location are uh, Preston, Taylor, and Mon counties. Hmm. Um, and we've just formed a pretty strong relationship with Lincoln County also to do some schoolwork there, training, and starting a lot of Libera groups. But more Preston, uh, Taylor, and of course we've done a lot of women's groups and teen groups in Mon County, but not necessarily in schools. Hmm. So, Karen, when did when did you start Libera? When when did this whole thing actually start to take you know take root? Right. If if I could give you a really brief story. Yeah, yeah. How this is, this yeah. Is, I think it's very interesting for, for our listeners, for sure. Yeah, I'll give you the short version. Um, it really started as a West Virginia nonprofit in 2014, and it became a 501c3 in 2015. And I started doing mm-hmm. Libera full-time in 2016. So wow. 2016 is when we really got, you know, our wheels on the ground. But the way it started is, as I said earlier, I have an education degree. I've taught school. I've Mm -hmm. taught all grades. And um, I've worked with women and teens for pretty much my whole adult life in groups and mentoring. But uh, seven or eight years ago, two of my closest friends attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be the person that found them. And I took them to the emergency room. And even though I'd done a lot of work with women and girls, I did not know what to do. I was at a loss. I hit a wall Mm. and I started counseling. And what I learned pretty quickly, three things. I learned that I had been a judgmental person and I wanted to change that. I wanted to be empathetic and non-judgmental towards people. Mm. I learned that I had a people addiction or a love addiction or people pleasing addiction. Mm. And I learned that I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to reach out to people in love, but not trying to get them to not trying to earn their love and approval, I guess. Mm. And lots of women, I think, struggle with people pleasing. The third mm. thing I learned is that I'd repressed myself. I'd 
kind of made myself small and I wasn't living out who Karen really was. Mm. And I realized I'd done that to my kids too. I kind of put them in this little box and that's been maybe the hardest thing Mm. to learn. I've had to have big conversations with my kids about, you know, I'm sorry that I repressed myself and in turn I did that to you. Mm. And uh, we've had some really good deep conversations about that and some growth. Uh, My daughter now works for Libera as a licensed counselor. So that's been a, a great thing. But those those things helped me to see I wasn't really free emotionally, hmm. relationally, intellectually, spiritually. And as I talked to women around me, I found other women that felt the same. And so we started this group with really six women and uh, we came up with the Libera model together. So the Libera model itself is a collaboration. It's not just Karen's idea. That model hmm. um, had a lot of input from a lot of women with a lot of different backgrounds. So yeah. that's how it started. That's amazing. And, and the work that you're doing, you know, is is incredible because it's, you know, as you kind of already noted it's it's needed it's much needed and i liked what you what you said about empathy and i also you know we talked about the l being listening right in yes. libera and 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 that's it's interesting because just listening to you talk um uh, i'm in the process of writing a little blog article of uh, the last 30 days 30 interviews i've done on this uh, special edition daily uh, covid-19 business briefings and a, a couple of my key takeaways and, and it's all really stems around leadership, I believe, you know, and uh, the great uh, leadership guru, John Maxwell, has always said, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. And uh, especially when you're in a crisis, I think that's incredibly important. But the the two things that I've learned a little bit, I was kind of giving a little precursor here, but uh, is that, you know, generally speaking, listening and empathy those two traits are, are indicative of a great leader, right? You have to be able to listen. You have to be have empathy. Agreed. But in a crisis, it's just like those are probably the two most important things. You know, they, they're really yeah. put to the forefront. So you're dealing with people in crisis on a regular basis, not just with COVID-19 or coronavirus situation, but uh, but in, in life. You know, they're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with... Uh, domestic violence, uh, abusive situations, or maybe it's just uh, a combination of everything, right? Just everything's crashing yeah. in, in, in on the world. And to have that uh, ability to listen to people and to, to do, as you said, and uh, kind of get, um, you know, be make this a, do it in love, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's such a powerful thing. And I appreciate you sharing uh, that insight right there, because I think uh, there's there's some parallels, I guess is what I'm saying, with, with, with what you're doing in the nonprofit world, as well as in leadership, whether you're leading a, a nonprofit or a business or a family or yourself. You know, you have I, to. You, I agree. Yeah. So, Karen, I, I'm curious. Um, we've had some really great topics here today. Uh, what are some things you've learned about yourself during the, the last five, six weeks? Wow. Uh, I guess uh, I'm surprised surprised a little bit by how much and how quickly we pivoted. So yeah, that was surprising. That awesome. was a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I realized I'm, um, I'm also susceptible to the ups and downs of quarantine. So I've had to be very careful about self-care. Yeah. So I do, I make sure I uh, do my little five-minute journal and gratitude journal at the beginning of the day, and I do some meditation and breathing and some spiritual exercises. So 
uh, and walking, keeping, keeping up the walking. So I, I just realized I need to be careful to do that as well. Yeah. It's easy to, uh, to kind of be, um, you know, kind of recede a little bit. I found myself doing that and fighting those temptations just to go home at the end of the day. Cause I've been working every day in my office and my team's working remotely. So I'm here not interacting with anybody, but I feel like at the end of the day, I'm just so wore out, you know, just from all the stuff, right. Yeah. Uh, that it's easy to put off those things. And I think it's important to, uh, to keep those things going as, as we move forward and we, go, we start, um, to, to really, um, un, uh, unleash this comeback plan that the governor's calling it. What are some things, maybe a couple of tips you can give people as we uh, kind of wind down our time here? What are a couple of tips, practical things people could be doing as we start preparing for, you know, the the next chapter of this pandemic? Yes. Uh, well, I think just what you've mentioned earlier, maybe focusing more on listening mm. and the empathy. And I think also um, maybe keeping that slowed down pace goes along with the listening and em- empathy because we've slowed things down. And I've heard this from a lot of people that slowing things down has been healthy for them. And I think if we slowed it down a little bit in general, hmm. in business, in nonprofits, in uh, the way we live our lives, that would be beneficial hmm. to everyone, whether you're working in a business or a nonprofit or you're a student. I think the connection and relationships and listening are so key to that and the empathy. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it reminds me of, uh, I was teaching um, virtually. We were doing it on a uh, uh, FaceTime. I was giving some pointers to my niece. She was learning to play the guitar, right? Taking some online classes. She said, I'm just having a hard time figuring out how to play this particular pattern. I said, well, something I've always learned when I, I was learning how to play the drums is you slow it down, slow it down piece by piece. And then once you learn how to play it slow, you can learn how to play it faster. And, That's good. And uh, and what you were saying is like if we can learn how to live slower. I think we could do a better job when, we, when it speeds back up. So that's yeah. good, that's good advice. Uh, I really uh, I really enjoyed uh, our time here, Karen. Karen Herring is the founder and executive director of Libera. Karen, uh, as we wrap up here uh, with our time, um, what's the best way for folks to maybe get in touch with you? Uh, is it the, is the best thing the the website? Uh, you know, yes, that, or we have a phone number they could call zero four three one nine zero nine seven zero. And I would say if they want to see those videos, they could just search YouTube and type in shield WV. So in YouTube, just type in shield WV for those videos I mentioned. Absolutely. And we'll have links to them in the show notes section of the podcast um, for iTunes and at positivelywv.com as well. Karen, uh, I just want to thank you for everything you're doing to help uh, kids, to help women, uh, especially that are in very tough situations, uh, especially now you know, during this pandemic that we've been facing. There's a lot of stuff going on. I appreciate your team pivoting and, and providing these resources that are so valuable. And uh, my hope is that uh, folks will take these and, and really use them because they're they're incredible. And I just uh, I just want to thank you again for being on the show and for all the work you're doing. I really appreciate you as a person. 
Thank you so much, Jim. We appreciate being part of this and being part of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, that's it for today's Positively West Virginia COVID-19 Daily Business Briefing. Uh, this is our 30th episode, and my hope is that we've brought you some valuable insight that we can you can use in your business and your personal life today as we work to navigate these uncharted waters. And I, I do believe that the the calm waters are right before us. We're almost there uh, as we start to open up the state again and the country. Uh, let's just be patient, be diligent, uh, you know, keep washing your hands, quit touching your face, wear those masks, uh, continue to practice social uh, distancing as well. I want to take a moment uh, to just thank our sponsors uh, for Positively West Virginia, and they are the Insurance Centers, the State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. We'll be coming to you uh, live every weekday as this pandemic continues with these special edition briefings. Uh, on behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay positive, West Virginia.